how to learn to live in the middle, why he says the diet and fitness industries are completely broken, why the number on the scale is not how you should define success, his three most important weekly foods, and so much more coming right up. This is episode number two, nine, five, with body transformation expert, Corey Little. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. I'm here because you want to become the best version of yourself, but there are so many things that you need to do in order to get there. And because it's overwhelmingly complicated, it's easy to lose focus, easy to lose a sense of direction, which is why so many people fall short of their true potential. But that's why I create videos, podcasts, and fitness programs to keep you on track to your best you. Go to nickcarrier.com to learn more. I'm super stoked today to bring you Corey Little. Corey has been a friend of mine for the last few years, and the approach that he takes with his nutritional coaching clients is remarkable. He's one of the people out there who really cares so much about lasting results with his clients, and his methodology proves it, and his clients actually do see lasting results because of his philosophy and his unique approach. Corey started off his career in health and fitness when he was 17 years old and competed and placed second in his first bodybuilding competition. From there, he continued to compete in bodybuilding for years to come, never placing worse than third in any of his competitions. Now his mission is teaching people how to overcome the, quote, bully in their brain so they can stop constantly stressing over being perfect with their food, lose weight, and still feel confident in their own skin. Before diving into the episode, be sure you're subscribing to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever it is that you listen, and be sure to share this episode with a friend while you're listening as well. And be sure you're following me on Instagram at carrier underscore best you and follow Corey at Corey Little Coaching and let us know what you think about the episode. Without further ado, here's to getting closer and closer to your best you with the one and only Corey Little. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. I am super fired up today to have the one and only Corey Little join me today. I just want to start by saying, Corey, thank you so much for spending the time with me today. Thank you, man. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, man. Uh, I, like I told you before, I'm super stoked to uh, have this interview, and I've been looking forward to it for a while. I'm looking forward to it all day because uh, it's not every podcast interview where I've been able to uh, have a relationship with the person that I interview for a while before I actually interviewed them. And so I know this is just going to be an awesome conversation because it was uh, took 25 minutes for us to be able to press record because we were talking about skiing and all that kind of good stuff. Um, but anyways, to uh, already would have introduced you with the, with the intro. So you did your first bodybuilding competition when you were 17 years old. We're going to go right to there. Why? <laughs> Uh, maybe because I wasn't good at anything else. Like we talked earlier about, you know, I was okay at basketball. I was, I was okay at track and field. No. So um, yeah, man, like, like a lot of people, especially back in the nineties, if you played any high school sport, you instantly got thrown into like weight training, you know, as one of your exploratories or one of your classes or whatever. And so my body just started responding really well to weights and um, I fell in love with it, man. I fell in love with like the, you know, everything about weightlifting. And back in like 1995, 1996, there was no Google, there was barely any internet, you know, so <laughs> I just started reading everything I could get my hands on, I would check, check out books from the library and read all these articles about how to, you know, how to gain muscle mass and how to get lean and, you know, what what it took to compete in a bodybuilding contest. And I was raised on like a, this little dirt road in a tiny town in Georgia. And 
there were no bodybuilding coaches. There was no Instagram. You know, we didn't know anything about that. So I kind of had to just find my own way. So yeah, uh, I was 17 years old. I was a senior. It was early in my senior year of high school and I competed in my first contest. I won. Um, I saw a small ad in a, a small classified ad in a bodybuilding magazine that said uh, sponsorships offered to teenage bodybuilders. And I was like, oh man, what is this? So I sent some pictures in and uh, next thing I know, I was sponsored by this like young, you know, up and coming supplement company. And so they paid for my fees to enter contests and so forth. And man, I was off and running. Next thing I knew I was, you know, going into college to to study nutrition science and just continue my, my career in bodybuilding. So it was, uh, it was fun, but it was a, a little unusual, I guess, for where I came from. Yeah. So you did it for, you know, a, a few years after that, what was the thing that kind of made you decide to stop doing it or, or get out of it? Was it just kind of like, this is takes a lot of time and effort and, and work or, or what was it? Yeah. You know, it's funny, man. Like we live in such a different world now than like then, than like, you know, 1998, even 2000, like it's so different because now, and, and this is one of the things we'll get into and talk about more, I'm sure as we, as we get deeper into this uh, interview, but like we live in a culture now where you see bodybuilders and fitness models and fitness competitors and CrossFit competitors. We see that all the time on Instagram or on Facebook. And, you know, it's, it's kind of become a normal part of the culture especially the fitness culture. Well, back then it wasn't, it was almost like a little sideshow, you know, it was almost like a little mini freak show. Like if there was very much an underground vibe to it. Um, and so it really became a part of my identity back then. I just, like I said, it was, I really believe whenever someone has a true passion or anything we, that we just love, we, you, you really can't explain why, right? I yeah. mean, think of something you love and for anyone listening, think of something that just captivates you and that you absolutely love. You, it's hard to put into words why, but it was, that was bodybuilding for me. It was like this beautiful blend of art and sport because you're literally trying, it's not about how much weight you can lift. You're trying to, for lack of a better term, sculpt your body into this piece of art that's going to be judged by judges, you know, that you're going to stand up in these tiny little trunks and they're going to say, Oh, this is good. This is not. And then they're going to rank you, you know, rank the competitors from one to 10 or however many people are there. So um, I competed. I was so blessed. I competed for about 10 years. Um, I had a really great career. I uh, won a junior, uh, junior Olympic gold medal. Uh, I got second place in a international world championship. Uh, I competed in two other national championships, finished in the top three of all those. Actually, I only finished out of the top three once in my entire career. So I was very blessed, very fortunate to have a great career. But one of the things that people don't quite realize uh, <laughs> now but especially back then bodybuilding is such um an all-encompassing sport like i would argue the only people that maybe train harder and have to pay more attention as much attention to their nutrition and everything 24 7 are like olympic athletes yeah. it's just exhausting and you're never off so to speak right and so when i got you know into my you know kind of around 30 years old I was getting married. I wanted to have a life. You know, I didn't want to have to have to constantly track everything I ate and, you know, demand such a high level from every single workout I did. So I retired. I retired uh, after about 10, 11 years of competing. And um, just uh, like, like I said, kind of to have a more normal life. I didn't leave it, it all behind. You know, I didn't leave working out and everything behind, but that was the primary driver. Right. And so I kind of want to get to one of the things you said earlier in a minute, but 
when throughout this time, you know, before you retired, was that like your job or were you doing an, another job like making money on the side or was you just making a crap ton from sponsorships? Yeah, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I didn't think so. So let me be very clear. I was a natural bodybuilder, which means, you know, of course, no performance enhancing drugs, no steroids, no growth hormone, anything like that. Um, and so in that world, like even even in the big time bodybuilding world where it's guys who look like they're from another planet, it can be tough to make a living in that world off of sponsorships and so forth. But especially in the natural bodybuilding world and especially back in like the early 2000s and late 90s, you couldn't make a living for crap. So, I mean, you knew you had to love the sport because you were pouring money into it and time into it, but you weren't really getting anything out of it other than just the pure enjoyment of it. So no, 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 no. I graduated um, from the University of Georgia in 2000 with my degree in nutrition science. I also have another degree in allied health. And I came out and I was like, man, I was fired up and ready to help people change their lives and teach them all about nutrition. And it was like, like in 2000, everybody, you know, okay, yeah, sure. I'll work out, help me break a sweat, but I don't, you know, I don't, don't, don't mess with what I'm eating now. Of course there's, you know, much more attention and focus on nutrition and people are much more open and receptive to that. And it's pretty much 99% of what I do now is, you know, stuff in the nutrition world, but back then people weren't into it. So I was also a certified trainer. So no, man, I worked full time as a trainer and, uh, and built my business doing that from 2000, goodness until you know maybe five or six years ago until i transitioned pretty much fully to to uh nutrition nice nice um so one of the things that you mentioned earlier had me have a had, had a spark of a thought that i had never really ever thought thought of before you know how like back then fitness models and fitness trainers and nutrition experts like it wasn't as sexy as it is today right there wasn't as many people talking about it and posting about it and writing about it and all and all this kind of stuff and this is not like I know you're not going to know like the definitive answer to this but like how much do you feel like because of the culture change of social media and everybody Everybody sees you. Everybody sees pictures of you on Facebook. Everybody sees pictures of you on Instagram. Everybody can see you. How much do you feel like that has been one of the biggest reasons why there are so many people more who are health conscious rather than people who just became health conscious for the sake of being health conscious? Like, I feel like the first, I had never thought about this before. I feel like a large part of people being health conscious is because they know they're going to be seen more often and they don't want to be judged for being overweight or not looking how they quote you know, should look, not that anybody should look anyway, but. I think your question makes perfect sense, but in a slightly different way than what we're imagining. Because, because if we look at research, if we look at statistics from say around 2000 until 2021, the obesity and, you know, the, That's the rate point. of obesity and overweight just continues to climb. So what I think your I think your question is still very valid. And I think it, it brings up a phenomenal point. And that is this, that, it's not that it's impacted the majority of society and Americans like, oh, I'm going to be seen all the time on Facebook. What I think it's done is to um, to really impact like the extremes. It's basically and this is one of the things I'm so passionate about. And you and I talking yeah. about this and I, I hope I'm not getting ahead of you here with the question. No. But like, that is that is my passion now in the fitness and the weight loss and the health industry is that. I believe, number one, that the diet and weight loss industry is broken. I think it's absolutely screwed up. 
number one. Number two, I believe the whole fitness culture that we live in now with everything we see on Instagram. And, and I, look, guys, I'm part of it. Like I was part of it. I, I, I did photo shoots for magazines. I've stood on stage with 3% body fat. Like I get it. But that fitness culture that is now popularized and glamorized nonstop on social media, on Instagram, on Facebook, on, on TV, everywhere we look, everywhere on the internet, it is royally screwing up people's chances of achieving just overall great health and maybe in, in, in some weight loss. Because essentially what it says is this. It says this. Let's have some fun. <laughs> it says this. This is one of my trophies from bodybuilding, right? This. They took a picture of you and then they, they sculpted it. <laughs> I, wish I, I, I wish I looked quite, quite this good at one point. Not quite. But it says this is success or, you know, a female version of this. This is what fitness success looks like. And if you don't look like this, well, then you're a loser. You're a piece of crap and you fail and go home and be sad about it. Right. So like it, it develops this extreme all or nothing, all or nothing mindset where we either have to be totally on and we're pursuing this, you know, because that's all we see or the female equivalent of it. And then even if we make great progress, even if a client or a, you know, a person goes, man, I've lost 12 pounds or, you know, and I've lowered my cholesterol. Man, I just feel so much better. But like, gosh, still have belly fat. Well, guess what? Congratulations. You're a human being. <laughs> like yeah. you're, you're supposed to have some belly fat. But when we're inundated with these images from this extreme fitness culture, suddenly we think we're a failure and we're a loser. And then we flip from all being all on doing it all, getting all our workouts, doing all the stuff, tracking our macros or whatever with our, you know, with our food to suddenly we go off, we go all off, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's all or nothing. It's on off. And it is like poison for like, I mean, man, you and I, some people might say we're high achievers, right? You know, you, you've got a best you podcast. You're all about helping people achieve the best version of themselves. I competed at a national and international level in bodybuilding in this extreme sport. So people might say that we're high achievers, but maybe that's true. Maybe that's not. And it just so happens that we love fitness. That's not everyone. <laughs> you know, there yeah. are people out there who they love something. They love something incredibly different. There are people out there who their number one priority is their children or their job or their community or their church, but they still want and need to be healthy and fit. And the sad thing is, is the diet and weight loss industry is presenting them with these extremes of, you know, you have to do it this way or you're going to be a failure. And, and it's not communicated that clearly, but that's the message that gets driven into our subconscious. You're either going to be, you know, a fat loser or you're going to be competing in the CrossFit games. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it's, and again, people aren't saying that intentionally, but it's what gets stuck in our subconscious. And I just think it creates really unhealthy mental habits. I think it creates really unhealthy, um, m- well, mental habits with our food and a really unhealthy relationship with food and with exercise. And I could go on and on and on, but I'll, I'll shut up just in case, yeah. just in case you have another question. No, I, I, have, I definitely have a lot, a lot of thoughts on this. And I think you're definitely spot on in regards to people seeing that as success. And if they're anything short of that, they're, they're failing or they're not quite there yet. Um, and I, and I, at some point, not yet, but I definitely want to get into like, you know, your nutritional philosophy and some, you know, practical stuff that people can start to apply. But I think that, you know, if the problem is the extreme thing and, and, 
the, these people who, who we see who are, they look amazing and they can do amazing things. The thing is that that's never going to go away. Those people are always going to be out there. And so, unfortunately, the brokenness of it isn't going to be solved by those people going away or by those people trying to just say, like, you don't have to look like me, you don't have to look like me, you don't have to look like me. It's not going to be solved by that. It's going to be solved by each individual, and this is my opinion, but each individual taking responsibility for how they consume the extreme. You know what I mean? Like, they have to not define success as that person. They have to realize that I define my own success and, and I don't have to look like that, that way to be happy or to be fulfilled. And so how do you go about coaching your clients in regards to, no, this extreme is not, like, that's not your success. You define your own success. And, and, and what's, how do you coach them to that? And how, what's their journey kind of like look like in defining their own success? No, that's, that's very well said, man. That's beautifully said. And kind of what you just said is like my, my mission right now, yeah. right now in my life. It's exactly where I am. And cause, cause you're absolutely right. Those people aren't going anywhere. And here's the thing. I was one of those people. Like, I don't want them to go anywhere. Like, right. I, I want to be very, very clear. I am not belittling or berating anyone who's at an extreme level of fitness. That's beautiful and amazing. And I was there. I get it. Like, that's incredible what you do. And so you, you what you said is absolutely right. It's 100% correct. The honest lies on people to figure out how to navigate that. And I call that learning to live in the middle <laughs> because, mm. you know, the extreme is tremendous obesity where I'm not doing anything about it because I feel like such a failure. And then the other end of the extreme is, you know, competing at the CrossFit games or being a bodybuilder or being, you know, constantly having abs 12 months a year. And so we have to learn how to live in the middle. That's the only way we'll, that's the only way we'll ever find success, not only, not only with our body, but that's the only way we'll ever truly enjoy life. I mean, I'll never forget, I was training this lady years ago, and she was a world-class flautist. I think that's the actual term. She, she played the flute, but she was, I mean, world-renowned with the flute. And her husband was a musician as well, and he played the French horn, and he's, he, he was German. And now they lived here in the United States. And I hadn't at this time when we were, she and I were having this conversation, I knew her really well, but I'd never met her husband. And she said, um, I said, I said, you know, what, what, what is he like? I, I, you know, I've never had a chance to meet him. And she goes, oh, you know, he's athletic. He played soccer growing up and stuff. She goes, but you know, he's got a, and this lady was incredibly fit, by the way. She goes, but you know, he's got a little bit of a belly on him. And she stopped for a minute and she goes, he looks like the kind of guy that just really likes to enjoy life. And I was like, like in that moment, you know, you have those small moments in life where you're like, holy crap, my whole, my whole mindset just shifted. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. like that's, that's what that means. Like that little bit of belly fat, that's nothing to be ashamed. I don't mean being, you know, 75 <laughs> yeah. pounds overweight, but like that little bit of belly fat means that you enjoy life. That means you enjoy that cinnamon roll every now and then in the morning or that, you know, yeah. pizza on Friday night with your family. And so that's one of the primary things I'm, I'm, I'm deviating from your question. I apologize. No, no, I like it. That's one of the primary things. Like I try to teach people how to live in the middle. And, and one of the huge things with that secondary to like chasing these, you know, fitness model type physiques that we see all over the place in social media, secondary to that 
right on the heels of it is a number on the scale. People have, I was just talking to my friend earlier who stopped by and was visiting from out of town. He's like, man, I don't know why, but it's like, I just, I just want to get to 175. And I was, and I was like, hold on, man. What, what does your brain tell you that 175 is going to bring? Like, what is it? Yeah. He's like, I, I don't know. And I said, no, think about it. Like really what, you know, what, what does 175 represent to you? And he goes, you know, I, you know what I think it is? He said, I remember seeing an athlete on TV one time and he was my height and he weighed 175 and he looked great. Bingo. Wow. Mystery, mystery solved. But like, my point is, is he he's losing his, to some degree, his enjoyment of life and his appreciation for all the success he's had because he's so attached to this number that truly when we peel back the layers means absolutely nothing. And that's so many people you've probably seen it, right? Nick, like with people you coach, yeah, we get a number stuck in our head and that number, If it's not that physique we see on Instagram, if it's not that, then it's this number on the scales and then the scales haunt us and they dominate our headspace. And it's like one of the central things I teach to people is the scales never tell the whole story and they rarely tell the truth. Yeah. You know it as well as I do. You get you get a you know a DEXA scan, you get some sort of a body fat test done, that tells the whole story. The scales don't tell the whole story. They they never tell the whole story and they rarely tell the truth. And so my whole process is helping people to focus much more on the process yeah. than on than on the end result. Like I always say say you know, we hear you got to keep your eye on the prize, you got to stay focused on your goal. Well, those are things that are wonderful, but for people who are really struggling, battling body image issues, battling some, and I don't mean like a clinical, like need, you know, they should see a therapist. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about everyday people who are battling with the scales, battling with an unhealthy relationship with food, constantly feel like they need to work out more because of what they ate yesterday, those sorts of things. When they're in that battleground mentally in their head, and they're fighting with what I call the bully in their brain who just beats them up every time they mess up the more they can pull away from that big goal they have, that number on the scales, the more they can pull away from that and just focus on the day-to-day, number one, you and I both know they're going to be much more successful, but number two, they're going to have more peace of mind. And in my, in my coaching group, we not only will weigh about maybe once a month just to kind of touch base with the scales, but other than that, I, I jokingly, I tell them, look, bury your scales in your backyard. Like get, get away from those scales, man. Like, I hope I don't hurt anyone's feelings, but man, we were not created to be Weight Watchers. Yeah, we were, we were created to be life livers, like to live life and enjoy life and enjoy food. And so we maybe touch base with the scales about once a month. But like another metric that we talk about and we look at is what I call LG, which is life gained. For, let's, let's forget about how much weight you lose. Let's also talk about how much life you're gaining. And that comes in a myriad of ways, you know, like, oh, man, like, you know, I eat... <laughs> My, my my son came home from college and we went and got Mexican food and I didn't have to say, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. I'm on a diet. Like I ate the Mexican food and I enjoyed it and I didn't go crazy. Yeah. And then I didn't beat myself up later. That's life gained, you know, like, oh man, I've, you know, I've lost some weight. I'm not even sure how much, but I have so much more energy. Like I actually feel like playing with my kids when I get home from work and that's life gained. So anyways, I, no, I I love it. I love it. There's there's a lot to there's a lot in there that I, I loved and that I could unpack, but just kind of touch on a few things. I love the learning to live in the middle thing because you obviously don't. Not everybody wants to be the extreme the extreme uh, fitness side of things and health side of things, but also there's almost like a little bit of a movement now 
that's okay on the other side of the things where it's like, it's like, like you're really fat, like love your body anyway. Um, and you know, how to actually verbalize that is, is a little bit tough, but it's like, well, you know, you're unhealthy. Like you actually need to, you need to get healthier. So there's a, there's a little bit of like the negative thing that's almost like being promoted a little bit now too, when it's like, well, I'm not really sure about that. Like live in the middle. I like that a lot. And then the really thing that I wanted to kind of touch on is like the, like the scale is, is not everything because you asked like the example that you had with your friend when he said, I want to be 175 and you're like, why? And then he came up kind of with his reason in my, in my goal setting process. I always start off with people and they determine before they set their goal, like their actual tangible goal, they set what, I, what I've termed with my brand is their big, their best you goal, BYG. And their best you goals is why they're doing what they're doing and, and w- like how they want to be thinking about themselves differently, how they want to be looking at themselves differently, what do they want to be doing differently, and kind of what they want to avoid. And, and they write that down and kind of boil it down into a few sentences. And then we write down what's called a success indicator, which is what indicates to me that I'm going to be, that I'm successful with that. And sometimes for people, it's a number on a scale, but even if they do that and like they're not being as successful with the scale number, they still have this other few sentences written out where like, I am actually feeling this way. No, maybe the the scale isn't exactly what I want to be, but like I'm feeling more confident. Like I'm, be, I am being a good role model for my kids. Um, you know, all these. I do have more energy. All the all these kind of different things that they write out as kind of like the conceptual how they want to improve. Um, so it makes them not so tied down to that number on the scale, and it's really powerful. That's beautiful, man. That is that is so incredible because what we do is similar. It's just, it's just done in a slightly different way. Like you yeah. allow them, okay, you can have that. It sounds like to me and you, you correct me if I'm wrong, but like, okay, you can have that scale goal, but you almost like protect them from themselves to go, okay, wait a minute. We're going to have some, some secondary things here that you don't, re- you, you may not realize it, but these are going to be so important as we move through this process. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I do. There are, cause like my, mine's a, you know, a goal, a specific goal setting program with like a specific duration. So there is kind of a, end thing that they kind of want to achieve by the end of the 10 weeks, which I actually had had trouble with initiating because it's like, I don't want people just to think they should only be doing these things for 10 weeks. Um, and so like, that's just a constant communication that I have throughout the process. Uh, it's like, look, anyway, there's a lot of things I do in there that I'm like, you're not just doing this for 10 weeks, but just in the sake of like business and like running a challenge, like this is just kind of how it has to be sometimes. Um, let's see, where do I, where do I want to go next? Um, what do you feel like is maybe some of the things that you've said or are coached to some of your clients that gave them some of the like biggest light bulb moments in regards to helping them enjoy the journey and not be so focused on figuring out a, a destination? Like w- w- what allows them to do that at a higher level? We're going to take a brief pause in the interview really quickly because if you're somebody who is looking to achieve a fitness goal or maybe you lack motivation to get into the gym, you lack some structure in your in your weekly routine, or maybe you've been wanting to get back into the fitness game and get back to maybe your weight loss goal or whatever goal it is, and you're not really quite sure how. If that sounds like you, my 10-week program is for you because I help everybody set a very specific goal. Then we create a very specific strategy of the two or the three things that we need to do every single week that we believe are going to make us 
successful with our overall goal. And that'll help you execute and I'll help you hold you accountable every single week. So you do the things that you kind of know you should be doing, but you're, you're not quite doing them right now. And that's what I've done with hundreds of people over the past 365 days, over the past a little over a year. And I want you to make sure that you are part of it as well. And enough for me, I want you to hear from the people who have done it in the past, what they've got out of it and, and why they did it in the first place. So here you go. I cannot say enough good things about Nick's 10 week program. I have always been somebody who has worked out but never really had a fitness goal. If anything I really wanted to achieve, it was more so just to stay in shape. And Nick does a great job of helping you not only define the goal, but also realize what steps you need to take to get there. Tomorrow, as of my weigh-in week nine, I hit my goal of losing 25 pounds in 10 weeks. Just the whole methodology of the program with it being one big goal, followed by some smaller goals to help me reach that big goal, and then the weekly commitments to help me reach those smaller goals. During these times, it's helped strengthen my mental health and strengthen my focus and really made sure to hold me accountable to my goals. I'm so happy that I was able to hit the goal and uh, so much so that I decided to do another 10 weeks with Nick. I would recommend it to anybody, no matter what your goals are, if it's weight loss, if it's running a shorter mile, if it's anything you would like to achieve, I think that this program gives you the tools to set yourself up for success. But one of the biggest benefits for me, and the biggest takeaway I had was one I wasn't necessarily set out to improve upon, and that was building more self-confidence and really instilling self-accountability. The program was great. Um, I'm doing it again a second time to continue my weight loss, and I just can't recommend it enough. So again, guys, if you lack motivation, if you lack structure, if you want to get back into your fitness game, but you're not really sure how, then I want you to make sure you go to nickcarrier.com slash 10-week programs. Again, nickcarrier.com slash 10-week programs to learn more. For now, let's get back to the interview. Man, that's a great question. I, I can tell you this, the thing that I most consistently hear from my clients and students and people who listen to my podcast or whatever, like one of the biggest breakthrough things for them is that in order to change your body, in order to change anything in your life, you must first change your brain. And it, and it sounds so simple on the surface, but I think we miss, we miss just how much we miss that. Like we don't recognize how much we miss it because we go, well, most people say, okay, I'm overweight or I'm out of shape, man, I got to get myself together, man, I got to get, you know, I got to get myself in order. And what's the first thing they do? They join a gym or they hire a trainer or they start a diet or they buy a diet book or whatever. Yeah. Physical, 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 physical. You've done nothing. You've done nothing to address this right here, this big chunk of tissue between your ears. And that, as you know, I mean, you know it, brother, that that drives everything in our life. Like the the analogy that I like to use is, you know, you can, if you get in your car, you can crank it up, you can slam on the gas or the brake, but if you have no steering wheel, who knows where you're going to end up? You know, you can try, try, try. You can push harder and harder and harder on the gas. You'll go somewhere, but you're going to crash. You're always going to crash and burn. And then you're going to wonder like, man, why, why, what happened? Why did this happen? The, to me, the brain is the steering wheel. And one of the central things I teach, and this is another response to your question that I think is a huge light bulb moment for people. I like to say that we have a bully in our brain. It is, dude, I've got, I've been so blessed and so honored to coach people from literally all over the world, from 
all throughout the United States, from Canada, from Ireland, Australia, Taiwan. And it's amazing, the incredibly different cultures, incredibly different food. All of us have that little voice, that little freaking negative voice in our head that likes to berate us and belittle us and haunt us and remind us of every single time we failed, remind us of, of you know, the fact that we'll never be successful and why are we trying so hard? And even if we make progress, even if we lose weight, we're just going to gain it right back. Negative, 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 negative. And that is what I call the bully in our brain. And I think it helps so much to personify that voice, to separate that voice from us. Because otherwise, it's just, it's just me talking like crap to myself. And I mean, that that's good to know that too. But I think when we can personify that voice and because nobody likes a freaking bully and when we can think of it as like a bully on a playground and I, and I, one of the things I tell my clients, you have to be the master of your mental playground, <laughs> you know, like you have to be willing to, to stand up against the bully and stare down the bully. And we do that in a group setting. I always like to say, look, the bully always wants you one-on-one. The bully does not like staring down you and all your friends. You know, that's, yeah. that's not how a bully works. And so, you know, the power of the groups, man, you, 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 you function in groups yourself, you know? So um, I would say the two biggest things, one is that to change your body, you must first change your brain to change anything in your life. You must first change your brain. And then number two is that we all have a bully in our brain that, yeah. you know, we have to, that's a huge part of addressing the, the, the mental, mental part of any change. Yeah, no doubt. Um, the, the boy in the brain thing is is super key because, you know, one of the things that I communicate with my clients and say a decent amount is that we need to approach ourselves with curiosity rather than criticism, like rather than berate yourself and, and beat yourself up, like ask yourself, like, okay, why did I, why did I not do this? Or why did I screw up? And that sort of thing to help come up with a solution. Um, but then the other thing, that is really important in regards to the bully in your brain and how it allows you to kind of take a step back and, and look at yourself from like a different point of view and you separate that person from your actual self is, you know, like we hear the, the golden rule all the time of treat you or treat others like you would like to be treated. And I'm obviously not saying that's wrong. We're both, we're both God people, but like there's, there's a, there's a book. I don't know if you know, I think you've maybe talked about him before, Dr. Jordan Peterson, but um, he has a book called 12 rules for life. And one of his, one of his rules is treat yourself as you're, as somebody that is worth being cared for or something like that. Because it's like, sometimes we treat ourselves 10 times worse than we would treat somebody we care for or somebody we love. So it's like, if you take a step back and look at yourself from an external standpoint, you're like, why am I doing this to myself? You know what I mean? Like, why am I killing myself? I wouldn't say sometimes we treat ourselves worse. I would say 100% of the times we treat, we say junk to ourselves in our head that we would never say to somebody we don't like, much less somebody we love. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, I mean, it, it sounds so cliche, but at the heart of all of this, I just had a lady the other day in my group, she posted and she's like, I'm, she's like, I finally get it. She's like, I'm learning to love myself now. And my positive habits are coming from the fact that I love myself, not from the fact that I hate my body. Like yeah. bingo, like that's, that's the key, you know, like it sounds so cliche, but at the root of all of this is self-love. If we can learn to love ourselves now, nothing but positive stuff flows from that. I always tell people like you, you can't hate yourself to results with your body. And even if you do, even if you manage to navigate that and you just, man, you hate your stomach so much or your 
arms or your fat thighs or your hips or whatever. If you just are so disgusted, you can't look at yourself in the mirror. Good luck getting results with that mindset. But even if you do, even if you hate yourself to results, you will resent what it took to get you there. If you don't learn to love yourself now, you will not love yourself then. Like it's, it's just, it's so true, man. It's just at the heart of it. And I, I think it's the, as you said, the, you know, look at yourself with curiosity instead of criticism, man, that's, that's golden. That's so beautiful. That is so helpful. I, I, I coach the very similar thing, but in a slightly, yeah. di- in slightly different words, like yeah. we have to be curious about why, and we, and we can't do that until we step out of emotion, yeah. you know? And so that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so I want to I want to transition a little bit into kind of like practical stuff to give some people who are listening um, some kind of steps to take in regards to nutrition and that sort of thing. So there's obviously thousands of experts who say thousands of different things. Um, you know, there's keto, there's uh, plant based, there's carnivore, um, intermittent fasting, all, all these different trends and and stuff that are happening. In a few minutes, just talk a little bit about kind of your nutritional philosophy, if you will, in regards to how you, you know, help coach people into changing their habits. I know you're, I know you're anti-diet revolution. Um, and obviously I am, I'm anti-diet as well, but just talk a little bit about kind of like your nutritional philosophy, if if you will. So I'm confident that your listeners are really smart people. So they probably already know what I'm about to say. But like all those things you talked about, intermittent fasting, keto, paleo, blah, 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 whatever. Let's just keep talking. You know, I mean, let's, you can name, we can name 20 different diets. The reason those things exist. Okay. Let me back up. I'm not going to say the reason. Part of the reason those things exist is straight up marketing. (laughs) Like that's like, it's, it's hard to, you know what my nutritional philosophy is? It's boring. That's what it is. And it's really hard. (laughs) It it is. And it's really hard to sell boring. Like, you what i'm supposed to drink water and eat my veggies what like i learned that in elementary school yeah you know why you learned in elementary school because for about 50 to 100 years we've known what works in nutrition and the reason that's not in a diet book is because it's not sexy or exciting or adventurous it's like oh paleo what it's not like and it's not like different Right. It's the, it, there's nothing to differentiate it. Like I teach tried and true nutritional principles. I teach stuff like eating whole foods, you know, like, it's like, like basic stuff. Literally, like one of the things I talk about is the gradual magic of vegetables. Vegetables are freaking magical if you'll just eat them consistently. It's the gradual magic of vegetables. They're amazing. Does that mean you need to be a vegetarian? No, not at all. Like, Again, you you mentioned you made a phenomenal point earlier, and we just we just kind of blew past it when you when we talked about like the extreme fitness, and you were like, now there's even kind of a movement of like, oh, like I'm really overweight, but it's okay. I love myself. I love my body. And you're like, yeah, but you're you're not healthy. You know, I believe that in society in general, that whenever a, the pendulum swings really far in one direction, it's just a matter. Of, you ever, you ever been to like an amusement park with that swinging yeah. ship, you know, and it like gets way up here and it's like, Oh no, Oh no, no, no. And then here it swings back. I think that's yeah. all society does. We just swing from one end of the spectrum to the other. And the magic is in the freaking middle. Like, you know, so whether it's like the extreme fitness or the, Hey, I don't care. I'm a hundred pounds overweight and I'm diabetic. Like I love my body. You should love your body and you should love yourself, but we should also strive towards health. That's the middle ground. And so yeah. when we talk about nutrition, 
so many of those programs are extremes, intermittent yeah. fasting. Well, I'm going to starve myself. Well, that's kind of extreme, you know, like, and I'm, I'm not saying it has no benefits. Sure. Look at the science, look at the literature. There are some benefits, but here's my question. Here's my question. Always people ask, what's the best diet? The best diet is the diet that you'll do for the rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. if you're not going to do some version of it for the rest of your life, then don't even freaking start it. <laughs> you know, like there's no point. So, so whether it's keto or paleo or whole 30 or any of those things, like the answer lies in the middle, in my opinion. And research shows us that like, do you have to be vegetarian? No, like there are, there's some meat is good for you too. Does that mean you should eat tons of meat all the time? Like keto? No, it doesn't. And you know, what about carbs or carbs evil? No carbs aren't evil. So I don't, I don't mean to give like a vague answer, but like literally I teach really, really boring stuff for most people. I'd say, you know, you're good with about, I, I don't call them meals. I call them feedings. I make everyone feel like livestock, like an animal. <laughs> like, yeah. But like, you know, for usually around four feedings per day, people are good with that if they eat a nice balanced mix of nutrients. And we eat kind of some carbohydrates, some protein, some fat at every meal. And so I teach people food combining and, you know, to, to kind of spread it out throughout the day. But really what's, uh, the much bigger thing than what I teach nutritionally is how we implement it. And we really take um, a very gradual step-by-step -step process. I often say it's like an instruction, like, you know, if you buy, um, if you, if you went to Ikea or some store and you bought like a coffee table yeah, and it comes in this box and you pull out and there's like an instruction manual that's three pages long with, yeah. you know, 27 steps. Well, you can try to just wing it, but if you just follow the instructions, it'll probably come together nicely. That's exactly my approach with nutrition. Man, we start with breakfast and what people drink. And it's yeah. that simple. And, you know, we start, if people are drinking a ton of soda or sweet tea or coffee drinks, you know, coffee milkshakes, as I like to call them, we start moving those out and bringing in water. And they always start freaking out. Wait a minute, wait a minute, but I'm having, you know, pizza for dinner. I don't care about dinner like the whole point is to minimize overwhelm. And if we can yeah. just, so we zone in on particular parts of the day, I'm happy to get more specific than that if you like, but I'm going to swing it back to you, buddy. No, no, that's great. And and I'm, I'm very, I'm very similar in regards to um, one of the things that I, the, the, the term, the term that I have coined for how I say the same thing is we need to make it workable for you. And essentially workable means that you're willing and able to do it based off of what you've been willing and able to do in the past. Because so many people, like the key example that I always give to people for in regards to uh, one of my past clients is he came to me saying, I want to lose 15 pounds. I'm going to start working out five times a week and I'm going to cut out all sweets. And I was like, awesome. How many sweets do you currently eat? He's like, well, I have 14 desserts a week. I have a dessert with lunch and with dinner every single day. And I was like, okay, so let's take a step back real quick. I don't know if going down to zero desserts is going to be uh, quite doable for you. You know, a lot of people will try to do that and be successful one week, two weeks, three weeks, maybe four weeks, and then they'll have 21 desserts in week five. And so like the plan for him was to have seven desserts a week for the first uh, like four weeks and then six desserts and then five and then, and, you know, so on and so forth. Um, and he crushed it. He crushed it uh, and, and has kind of like completely eliminated that, that terrible habit that he had. But no, I'm definitely the, the same way. And, you know, quality is king. Eating whole foods is, um, like, you, like you said, man, everything is the extreme nowadays, whether it's nutrition, whether it's politics or any of these things. It's because it's what catches our attention. It's because our brain is still dug up from 
uh, millions and millions of years ago, and it's going to get whatever catches our attention or is, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Threatening to us. And if it's, if it's threatening to us or it seems like it could be something that saves us, then we give our attention to it. And what doesn't, we don't, we don't give our attention to boring things when, when the answer lies in the damn middle and the boring things are oftentimes going to be the things that uh, get us where we want to be. Amen. No, that's that's one one thousand percent true, man. And that guy crushed it because he's got a heck of a coach, and you let him write. And you 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 you. I mean, it's you know, as a coach, like anytime you start hearing someone go every day, all nothing, like you know, never again, or you know, it's like whoa, time out, hold on, wait, 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 let's pump the brakes, you know. And and so that's that's fantastic what you did with him. One of the things that I often try to encourage people with when it comes to desserts or sweets or whatever. You know, because I mean, the what most people experience, they get to a point where they're disgusted with themselves. They're disgusted with, I can't believe I've let myself get here. You know, that's that's a thing that'll go through people's heads, or they walk past it and see themselves in the mirror, or whatever. And so they're ready to just, you know, chop it and cut it all. And one of the things I try to encourage, like, wait, hold on, you may not need to cut it all. <laughs> like, if you can get the results you want and still eat dessert three or four times a week, why not? Like, yeah. I want you like, man, Nick, you know, this, like your listeners don't, my mother just died, you know, very unexpectedly about literally it was one month ago, yesterday, four weeks ago, my mother passed away at 65, very unexpectedly. I assure you my mother, once she was diagnosed with advanced cancer, she never sat there and went, man, if only I would have eaten less sweets, like, you know, like, no, like, man, life's short. Like we should, we're meant to enjoy life and enjoy food. And so, yes, like I believe in being healthy and responsible and taking care of ourselves as well. But I want people to get away with as much as they freaking can while achieving those goals, you know? And so yeah. that's just another reason that we don't need to swing too far to those extremes. Yeah, no, I, I love it. You know, when you said how, your title or how you wanted to, wanted to be introduced. You're like a food loving, lose weight while getting away with as much as you can, body transformation expert. Um, yeah, I, I love it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, well, I want to get down to the last couple questions here, Corey. You know, you talked about how your coaching philosophy is kind of is, is step oriented, and the reason why a lot of people can't do that on their own is because people are just too damn impatient in in regards to kind of getting results. So if somebody was not smart enough to go to CoreyLittleCoaching.com and get coached by you or, or, or to, do my, <laughs> to do my program, oh, oh yeah, uh, or, or do my program, um, what is like the recommendation that you would give to the person listening who is like, I know I need to start changing something, but I don't know where to start? Mm-hmm. So... Um, that's a great, great question. So number one, I would say like, so, so if someone's, so you're out there listening to this podcast or watching this video or whatever, and maybe you hate my guts, maybe you've hated every bit of this. That's okay. That's okay. But I promise you the principles I'm teaching are true and they're backed by science. So like, you don't have to work with me. You don't have to work with Nick. I'd love for you to work with Nick, but you don't have to work with Nick. But like the vast majority of the time you need help. Like, like people, people need assistance. You need of course, accountability. And you may think, oh, well, I'll get that from my friend or I'll ask my sister, or I'll ask my husband or my wife. And eh, like that rarely works because either they love you and they want to be really nice and maybe they're too nice or 
let's just face it. They're not an expert in what you want to get better at. So even if you hate me and you don't want to work with Nick, that's fine, but go find somebody you trust to work with. That would be number one. Like, you know, that's, that's number one, but number two, and I'm going to give some really, really practical things here, but number two is, um, man, start like the big, 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 big thing is awareness. Like we, and and I hate, like, I'm sorry to refer to my mom again, like this, I'm not meaning that to be a buzzkill, but here's the fact. My mom got diagnosed with cancer and she died 13 days later. You know why? Because we didn't know she had cancer for so long. There was no awareness until you become aware of your patterns when it comes to your food habits, of your patterns when it comes to your weight loss attempts. Until you become aware of your mental patterns, you are powerless. Awareness is everything. Awareness is everything. So start as, man, as Nick so beautifully said earlier, start with curiosity and begin to just don't even worry about changing your brain, like I mentioned earlier, but just start practicing awareness to notice your patterns from a very non judgmental, non emotional place. Like if you're binging on ice cream, that's okay. Don't judge yourself, but just go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, hold on, hold on. Why am I binging on this ice cream right now? Like what, what, what's called? Do I feel emotional? Am I really happy? Um, am I really tired? Like, what is it? What is it? And just begin to notice that's, that's, so that's, I guess, if getting help and hiring someone is number one, the number two would be beginning to practice awareness so you can start to crack into your brain and figure out what's going on. That's number two. Number three, when we get to really practical rubber meets the road stuff, start smaller than you think you need to. (laughs) Like if you think, oh man, like if we go back to your client earlier, if he was like, Let's say he didn't say, okay, I'm going to cut out all my desserts. Let's just say he said, okay, I'm going to cut out half of my desserts. If that's his knee-jerk reaction, then I would back it up. I would say, let's not even cut out half of them. Let's just cut out a third of them, you know, something like that. So, again, literally straight from my coaching program, we just start with what people drink and their breakfast. That's it. So maybe that's a great starting point for some of you guys. If you drink a lot of calories, if you drink a lot of sweets, whether it's wine or beer or juice or wait, Corey, I thought juice was good for me. No, not if you're overweight and you want to lose weight. Juice is not <laughs> juice is not what we're looking for. So wine or beer or juice or uh, coffee drinks or sweet tea or soda, whatever. Maybe that's the biggest first step is just to start reducing those, cut those in half and start drinking more water. Super simple, super, super powerful. And then maybe just change your breakfast. You know, if you always have a Pop-Tart, Maybe, maybe you start having, you know, some lean protein. It could be a protein shake. It could be some eggs or egg whites or, you know, or some Greek yogurt or whatever. You maybe you have that with some oats or, you know, a piece of sprouted grain bread or something. It doesn't have to be complicated, but just very, very small, do less than you think you can. And that will set you up to build momentum and build some success moving forward. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And then to get um, practical one more time before the last question, what do you, what are like, three foods that you try to make sure you eat on a weekly basis? Mm. Dude, I can, I could like almost, <laughs> one of the things I, I teach in my group is we, we call it go-to meals. Like people think like, Oh, I need a ton of variety and I eat a million different things. No. Like if you look at your, at your breakfast, there's probably, and this is probably true for you, Nick, there's probably three or four different breakfasts that you would normally eat, you know, they're like your go-to breakfast. And then eventually you may get tired of one and you kind of roll it out and you maybe roll a new one in, but we all have like usually two or three go-to breakfast meals, two or three go-to lunch, two or three go-to dinner. And I'm exactly the same. And so the things that I like, 
the things that I eat on a regular basis, man, I eat broccoli every week, either it's steamed. It could be raw. Usually it's steamed. Um, my veggies are like I buy again, man, this is all about practicality and sustainability. I buy frozen veggies in a bag. And when I need them, I zap them in the microwave, zip zap done. <laughs> it's so yeah. simple, but I eat broccoli every week. Um, my wife and I, this is going to sound so boring, but it works for us. We boil about six to eight chicken breasts every week, just mm. plain Jane chicken breasts. And the reason we do that is because it's a blank canvas. So if we boil eight chicken breasts on Sunday and we get to Wednesday and I'm like, hmm, what, what am I feeling today? Ooh, I want to put a little salsa on there and go Mexican. Ooh, I want to put a little curry on there and have a little Indian feel. It's a blank canvas. So I can adjust it, you know, adjust it as my palate <laughs> prefers yeah. as I go throughout the week. So that's a great, uh, very affordable, lean protein source, chicken breast. Some people may be disappointed. They're like, he hasn't mentioned like organic free range bison yet. <laughs> That's great. That's great if you want to eat that. But I'm talking about practical and economical. So like for me, man, broccoli, uh, chicken breast, and um, we used to eat a ton of spinach. But man, honestly, I think one of the most powerful superfoods in the world based off research is blueberries. Mm, man, yeah. Blueberries are just unbelievably good for you and unbelievably healthy for your brain. Um to the point like of almost like having medicinal levels of, 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 a, of powerful and positive effect on your brain. The, the one other thing I might throw in is like, when we look at the research base around different foods and different nutrients, omega-3 fatty acids that are found in fish oil, I know like people see it all over the place now and they're really like popularized and stuff. It's for a reason. They are yeah. incredibly, incredibly powerful. Matter of fact, I just saw a study come out that said, um, uh three factors that they found um resulted in a less uh less covid infection and a lower hospitalization rate were omega-3 vitamin d and multivitamin may in my exercise might have been in there as well this was specifically yeah. for females but again i'm not saying if you take omega-3 you're not going to get covid i'm not saying all of that crap i'm just yeah. saying omega omega-3s have a gigantic base of research and are so good for you in so many ways yeah yeah well they're so important for your cellular health. And, you know, that's why the, the talk around nutrition, when it gets super surface level around like macronutrients and stuff like that, it, it just frustrates me because, you know, a lot of people, if, for example, if they say keto and then you see that, you know, fruit is a uh, high in sugar and so they think that's bad. And so they're not going to have it when it's like, it's not just anyway, I, I don't want to go another hour with this episode but um i love it man i love it before i ask, ask the last question i just want to acknowledge you Corey, because i i love the way that you go about coaching people and doing things with your clients because i think it's um it's the way that it's going to be truly useful for people and uh, allows them to make a lifestyle change and a long-term change because like we talked about so many things are just the extreme because they're easily marketed and you know i'm I know you are too. We both we both like making money, and we're not, uh, you know, anti-capitalism or anything like that. But um, you know, you come from a place of really wanting to help people long term and do things that are realistic and do things that are sustainable, and uh, that's just the the right way to go about it. And everyone's not doing that, and so I want to acknowledge you for uh, going about things the right way and um, beating up the bully in other people's brains. <laughs> That's very kind of you, brother. And, and, and right back at you, man, like, um, you and I could both, we could put our brains together and we could develop something and make a ton more money, you know, with snazzy marketing and pie in the sky promises. But 
you're not that, you know, like I, I, I like to think we both have too much integrity for that. So, uh, so right back at you, my man. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Well, you guys need to go check out uh, Corey's coaching at CoreyLittleCoaching.com. Obviously, some awesome stuff. I know you're interested to uh, go learn more about. And you can follow him on Instagram at CoreyLittleCoach and uh, Facebook at CoreyLittleCoaching as well. And I'll have all that stuff linked up in the show notes. But is there anywhere else people should go and and learn more? Uh, No, I mean... I'll throw out my podcast if that's okay. I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of you guys don't stop listening to Nick's podcast because this it's incredible and he brings such incredible value to you all the time with you know everything he shares and all of his guests. But if you're looking for another podcast to fill your time, uh, I, I have the Real Life Weight Loss Podcast. If you've enjoyed what I've shared on here today, then then you'll definitely love the Real Life Weight Loss Podcast. Episodes are about 15, 20 minutes, kind of little you know, hopefully powerful, practical pieces of advice. Very. Uh, very much the stuff we talked about, very, very much about the approach to weight loss and life change and kind of the bully in the brain and, and, and changing your brain and all that. So yeah, I appreciate you asking. Yeah, man. Well, everybody on average listens to about seven podcasts nowadays. So as long as uh, they can, they can integrate, I think I'm sure they can find this as one of their seven. So that's awesome. Um, well, last question today, Corey, is I think that getting closer to the best version of ourselves is a constant journey. I don't think we're ever at that best version, but I also think it's a unique journey. I think the way that I'm going to get closer to the best version of myself is going to be a little bit different than the way that you get closer to the best version of yourself. So for you, pers- for you personally, not for the people listening, but for you personally, if there are three things that you can currently do or currently work on to get closer to that best version of Corey Little that you could possibly be, then what are, what are those three things you could currently do or currently work on? Man. Okay, I'm going to do my best to not sit here and think about this for 10 minutes. So uh, number one would be if I, if okay, I'm going to think about this in like three different ways, maybe. So if I think of physically, number one would be to... Um, be as injury free as possible. Like uh, you guys have probably noticed if you're watching the video from all of the white in my, in my beard here that uh, I'm a bit older than Nick. I'm in my, I'm, I'm approaching my mid forties and it's not bad. Life's not bad as you get older. It's just different and your body is different. And so I, I, I'm unfortunately reaping uh, some of the punishment that I sowed from, you know, all those years of hardcore bodybuilding and just really, you know, intense, heavy lifting. So my goal, one of the things I could do to be my best self is to really not only, not only take care of my health physically, which I I like to think I do a great job of, but to really focus on not pushing too hard and keeping myself injury free. So that's one thing. Secondly, I think there's just a man, you know, Nick, maybe this is true for you, maybe not brother, but I think when you love what you do and you're passionate about it, if you're not careful, you can get sucked into your work and into your business to the point that it maybe almost consumes too much of your life at times. And, and, you know, like I said earlier, I believe the magic's in the middle, you know, we got to balance things out and balance is such a boring word, but it's such a powerful word. So, um, man, I, I think if I could balance out more of my passion with my work and my mission that I'm out, you know, to, to accomplish, with my anti-diet revolution, you know, I think if I could balance that more with, with time with, you know, friends and family and, and, uh, you know, just time to relax and dream and think and those sorts of things. So that would be the second thing. Uh, and man, the third thing, like you, you, you know, you mentioned it earlier. Um, you said we're both God people. Like for me, a, a massive part of my life is, is my faith. Um, you know, my relationship with God. And so, uh, 
if I want to be my best self, then I, you know, that means for me, you know, pursuing my relationship with God in, in, in some way, whether that's, you know, time reading scripture or time in prayer or just, you know, kind of, you know, meditating on my, what does my life look like? You know, does it look like something that, you know, uh, does it look like I'm a follower of Christ? So um, for me personally, those would be the three things if I had to just throw them out off the cuff like I did. Uh, awesome. Awesome. Well, those were uh, three great things. Will y'all go to CoreyLittleCoaching.com and check out the Real Life Weight Loss Podcast as well. But that's all we got today, Corey. I really appreciate it. That was so much fun. Man, Corey's approach to getting his clients' results is absolutely amazing. I loved his phrases of, quote, learning to live in the middle and of overcoming the, quote, bully in our brain. Those are things that I think all of us can relate to. Be sure you share this episode with a friend or family member. Be sure to rate it and review it on iTunes because that's what's really going to help this show move up the ranks so we can get more people getting closer to the best version of themselves. I mean, share it with someone who is struggling with their health and fitness journey right now because you never know how much this could actually help them. Send it to someone who is super critical of themselves and they would benefit from hearing Corey's words. And if you're interested in having a clear path to hit your fitness goal, then go to nickcarrier.com slash 10-week programs. Again, nickcarrier.com slash 10-week programs. I don't know about you guys, but my favorite part about this episode is when he talked about learning to live in the middle. Unfortunately, our brains are wired to be attracted to the extremes, which can lead us stray and down a terrible path. But if we can learn to live in the middle, we can have the results that we want and eat the cake too. So starting now, begin to live more in the middle, overcome the bully in your brain so that you can get closer and closer to your best you.